Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone, I'm really excited for you to meet Terry Barnhart. She's our guest today. She is someone that has reversed her type 2 diabetes through diet and fasting. She also has quite a unique story. In 2017, her A1C was up at 13.3. She was put on a lot of insulin and was able to bring it down into the nines. But then through diet and intermittent fasting in 2019, she was able to get off all of her medications and today her A1C is now in the fours. And she's also lost 100 pounds through her journey. And just to add a little bit more interest to this story, Terry has also had two types of cancers and she's beat both of them. She's in remission now and she owes all of the success to her diet and intermittent fasting. She's got a really great story. It has a lot of twists and turns. So enjoy it. It's going to be a good episode. Hi, Terry. Thank you so much for joining. I'm so happy to have you here today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. This is this is going to be a fun day. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get started, do you want to just give me you know a quick intro as to who you are? Sure, sure. I'm Terry Barnhart. I'm in Colorado. And so I have two kids up in, they're in their 20s, they're up in Denver. And then my husband and I live just south of there in Monument. I'm in my 60s. I'm, I guess, retired from a wide variety of careers. I've worked at Grand Canyon for the Park Service. I've went done computers at the Forest Service. I've run a university math department. I've done development on large hospital databases. I'm a special ed teacher and I have a business for adults with disabilities. So, you know, a little bit of everything and it's a lot of fun. Wow, you have a very varied background. That's really, that's really cool. Well, I'm super excited to have you on because you, you actually have a really unique perspective on diabetes because your father had type one. Is that right? That's right. So maybe you can just tell us, I mean, when he had it, the, the style of management was completely different to now, but you obviously dealt with him having type one when you were growing up. I mean, what, did you have any impressions of, of, of that time? Sure. Yes, I did. So he was a type one diabetic. He, he actually found out when he was in his twenties. So like, if you do the math, that was a long time ago. And, you know, there were no CGMs. There were not even home blood tests. There were no glucose tests at home. And just to, to be nice for the family and for him, we all ate what he was told to eat. And that included many carbs. And we had absolutely no salt in the house. We used this thing called Mrs. Dash and it was no offense, but it was kind of bad. And there's, you know, there's nothing like real salt. I guess we did get salt because we had some canned veggies and soups and things like that. But basically I watched this man, my dad, take insulin daily based on how he felt. There were no tests. He just went, well, let's see, maybe I'll do this many units. And if he took too much, he drank orange juice because 
there was his sugar to bring him back around. And he did have, he had a real low one time. He was a middle school teacher at the time. And, you know, when you're low, you can look really drunk. And so to middle schoolers, that was, that was pretty cool because my teacher's drunk. How cool is this? And luckily there was one gal in the room who went, oh man, this is not my teacher. Something's wrong. She put him on his little wheelie chair, wheeled him up to the nurse and probably, you know, saved his life because he was very low. So, but my takeaway from growing up with that is that every year, my dad made me promise every year you will test your urine because there was no blood tests, right? You will test your urine to make sure you don't have sugar urine. And, you know, and I did. I, do, you, do you have siblings? Did any, anybody else in your family have brothers who, Yeah, I have two brothers who are about 10 years younger and they are not type one that I know of, at least not that they've told me, but they're probably, at least one is type two probably. But I was always a heavy gal. I just never got the sugar urine right then. But my dad, you know, he lost his eyesight, his kidney failed, kidneys failed, he was on dialysis. And he was actually one of the first people in the US to, to get a transplant that lasted longer than a year because that was early on in transplant time. And so they were all having a party. Obviously, medicine has come a long way since then. But he ended up passing away when he was in his 40s. So there's a 40s. Yeah, yeah. There's a type one story for you. It was kind of weird to hit the age that he passed away. And that's, it was about when I was finding out that I was type two. Wow. So So you really have a deep appreciation for what having diabetes could potentially mean for you? Oh, it terrified me. I mean, and my eyesight when before I really found out I was type two, you know, I only have data that goes back about 10 years. I'm sure I was pre-diabetic long before that. I have no doubt. And it's not like I wasn't active. People say, oh, well, as long as you're active and everything, you'll be healthy. But, you know, I mean, I was leading hikes in Grand Canyon. I was working with horses. I was doing all this stuff. Exercise didn't make a difference. I became heavy and very heavy. And uh, my eyesight was failing. I had neuropathy starting. My feet were getting those those initial tingles and eventually some pain. And uh, well, it was 2013 that my doctor then said that I was diabetic the doctor for a routine checkup and the doctor took some blood or whatever yep. finger stick and said, you know, you have yep. diabetes. I was heavy. She did an A1C and boom, I was diabetic. I mean, I was only like six point something, which now I realize is high. I didn't at the time. And she really played it down. She didn't tell me to watch what I ate or anything. She goes, oh, here, just take metformin. Now you'll be good. And so that's what I did. I mean, I can follow directions. We monitored every three months my fasting glucose was around 180 and that's not good, but I didn't know that at the time. She didn't really sit me down and tell me all of this stuff. And I guess I should have looked at Dr. Google, but I'm not sure I did. So, you know, if I knew 20 years ago, what I know now, oh, it wouldn't have, it would have been a different picture, but you know, my type two progressed and I was very heavy. And in, in about, it was the end of 2017. And all of a sudden I was feeling different, really bad. And I had been losing weight. So I thought, oh good, my diet's working, you know, all that kind of stuff went in for my, but my eyes, my eyes were bad and stuff. I went in for my A1C. It was 13.3. 
Wow. So you had been going to the doctor this whole time and your A1C kept going up and up and up. Did they ever increase your metformin or say, maybe we should start you on insulin? No, No, it went from 6.3. I'm kind of looking at my data up through from like 2011 and in 2017, it was 7.2. So it was just creeping up a little at a time. But then by the end of 2017, that's when it hit 13.3. And uh, it just went out, out of control. So, you know, what, what does she say? Okay, time to start insulin. We can, we can handle this. We'll just put you on insulin. And she started with a little bit, of course, and it didn't take long before I was taking a lot of insulin. I mean, a lot. I had, I had allergic reactions to so many different types of insulin. So that was a lot of fun welts and everything else, big welts. So we finally found one that worked for me. And, but were you doing metformin plus insulin or she took me off metformin when I went on insulin. So were you just taking, and I'm just trying to understand in case, you know, other listeners are in a similar situation, were you on just like one shot a day or were you doing like a long acting plus short acting to cover meals? Were you like full on? I was, I was one shot a day. One shot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just, I would take my blood sugar in the morning and then take this amount of insulin and at At my peak, I was on a type of insulin that's like a double strength. I can't remember the name, but she goes, well, this is double strength. This will really help, you know, and it didn't take long before I was on a hundred units of double strength. So it was like 200 units, you know, and it wasn't really helping. I mean, it brought my A1C down to nine, but that's not great. So, you know, but that's what we were doing. And uh, my weight just kept going up. I mean, everything just kept getting worse. That you remember what your weight was at the time? I think the last time when I stopped weighing, <laughs> because eventually you get to the point where you don't weigh, I was, I think I remember 262. Now I'm 5'8", so I can carry a little bit of weight, but 262, I was obese. And there's no doubt about that. But not once did anyone talk to me about carbs. And, you know, I had tried multiple times to lose weight at Weight Watchers and it always seemed promising, but then it failed. And, um, you know, I was so calorie restricted that it didn't seem to matter what I did. But then if I can take you back to 2016, um, I was diagnosed with cancer and It was the weirdest thing because I had two totally unrelated cancers that they found in the same month. So, and you know, cancer loves sugar and I was eating sugar, sugar and grains because they said eat all those, you know, how many servings of grains every day and all of that. But I had noticed some blood in my urine, was sent to a urologist. And four hours later, I came out of there with a diagnosis of kidney cancer. Oh my gosh. So, okay, so we're starting to put plans in place. Well, then my, my right leg, that was my left kidney, then my right leg, like the next week gets sore. And so you go to the doctor and they go, oh, wow, your knees are, you're getting old. Your knees are probably, you know, let's give you a shot in your knee. So they gave me a shot in my knee and it didn't help at all. And they were like, oh yeah, give it a day. You're going to feel great. Well, I didn't, I didn't. And I felt worse. Like the neck, I came in to the doctor three days later on crutches. I could not walk. And so it was time to do a few more tests and they found out I had bone cancer in my femur. 
They're unrelated somehow? Totally unrelated. And wow. totally unrelated. As I was just feeding them sugar and they were happy. So now I have two doctors who want to do surgery on me. And so they kind of had to uh, battle it out. And my kidney guy won because the tumor was bigger and kind of messing with blood flow. So I was scheduled and they took out, you know, my kidney, my ureter, they dig into the bladder, the whole thing. And that was late 2016. But then I was supposed to get some recovery time before they did the leg surgery and my bone cancer started moving around more than it they hoped. And uh, so in January, a limb preservation specialist removed about four inches of my femur and put in a new knee because they had to connect all the parts and everything. And you got to remember of this type of cancer, chondrosarcoma, 30% die and the other 70% would lose their leg. I still have my leg. I mean, I'm so lucky. There aren't too many of these limb preservation specialists and one's in Denver. And my Oncologists work really hard to get me into them. And I'm so really grateful for that. You know, it's not perfect, but it's totally okay. So once you have kidney cancer, then you also get a bladder specialist because they expect about half the time it shows up in the bladder. And when you have bone cancer, you get a pulmonologist because about half the time it shows up in your lungs. Okay, so I've got plenty of doctors now and my oncologist, you know, we're all having a great time. And here I am, super heavy, diabetic on all this insulin, getting back around to that. And my lung doctor says to me, and he was, he's a sweet guy, wonderful. He says, Terry, your lungs aren't great. He says, if you don't, and I was seeing him every like three to six months. He goes, if you don't lose a hundred pounds by the next time I see you, you have to go on oxygen full time and you're going to feel like an old lady. Okay. I was pretty devastated. I go crying to my best friend. And she goes, you know, she's the one that did Weight Watchers with me all the time. And she says, you know, I heard from another friend about something else. And she goes, do you want to try it? And I'm like, I don't have anything to, you know, any reason not to. So hopefully I can, I can say the name of it here. Yeah, yeah, please go ahead. So I, we started NSNG, No Sugar, No Grains with Vinnie Tortorich. And there's a Facebook group that's very supportive and all this got into it. And I, I went whole hog because I had to, my life depended on it. And let me tell you, so this is no sugar, no grains, but when they say sugar, they mean no sugar, no sweeteners, no fruit, no starchy vegetables, because it all turns to sugar inside your body. So basically I was meat eating meat and above ground veggies. That's so really like, almost like the Dr. Bernstein diabetes solution type diet. But yeah, yeah it's very, I think it's very veggies. similar. Yeah, because you don't want anything and that could potentially elevate your blood sugar. Right. And so it's, and the cool thing is there's no counting. You eat to, to satiety, which I think all my years in Weight Watchers, I didn't even know what feeling full felt like. I, I do remember the first time feeling full and it was so foreign. It was pretty exciting actually, but quite quickly, and, you know, and then that's when I also learned you got to eat salt. You know, you cannot do this kind of thing, eliminate all this and not have extra salt because you, that flushes out of your body and you're going to feel sick if you aren't eating salt. So I'm, I'm doing it all. I cleaned out my pantry and everything. My poor husband, it was like, yeah, this is how we're going to eat now. And if you want something else, you can go down the road to a restaurant because that's not, I'm not cooking that stuff anymore. And I mean, no legumes either, no seed oils, none of that stuff. 
but let me tell you, six weeks and I was off all insulin. Really? Wow. That is so fast. Six weeks. And I mean, I had called my doctor because I said, I'm going to do this. And people say I'm going to need less insulin. And so she gave me kind of a sliding scale and said, well, when you test, if you're this much lower, take this much less and everything. And so I was doing that and it started going so fast that I started taking it was like, I took bigger, I took away bigger and bigger chunks of insulin and I'm calling her every few days. And she's like, great job, great job. And then once I called her and she goes, oh, we need to pump up how fast you're going off of insulin because you're dropping so fast. And I'm like, I'm already off. Sorry. <laughs> you're probably getting lows, right? I assume. Well, I did get a few lows, but low is really relative. I've found when I was heavy and on a ton of insulin and my body was expecting the sugar and expecting the insulin and expecting all this, if I hit 95, I was delirious and couldn't think. I remember one time, and I know I tested at 95, I was standing in the pantry going, there's got to be sugar in here somewhere. I have to have sugar. And I was looking at a bag of candy and I didn't think it had sugar in it. And so my husband comes up going, what what's going on? I'm like, I think I'm really low. I'm really not making good decisions. And he happened to have a bag of M&Ms in his car and he brought that in and I ate M&Ms. That was at 95. Now, let me tell you, my blood sugars are in the 80s. Well, maybe 90 for a dawn phenomenon, but you know, I'm mostly in the 80s and I do a little intermittent fasting as well, which we can talk about in a bit. But when I fast, I'm in the 50s. Maybe six. Okay, and you don't and you don't feel low there. I because no, I feel yeah. great. Okay. Now everybody says if you don't feel good, eat. So I would. There were times as I was getting used to it. Uh, if I didn't feel good, okay, so I ate. This is a long term thing. This is not an instant fix. So if I had to eat, I had to eat. Yeah, but now I can. Sense. Yeah, I can easily be fasting and be in the sixties and feel wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I think it's all about how steady your numbers are. Like if you're like constant at 60, then your body adjusts to being at 60. Whereas if you're constant at 300 and then you correct your blood sugar and it goes down to 100, which is a normal blood sugar, then you feel like it's you're a low. huge drop. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I can, I can see that. So if you're, you know, basically running at 80 all the time and then, you know, you drift down slowly to 60, maybe it doesn't feel like it's that extreme to you and you don't feel low. Oh, it doesn't. And in fact, I, did a, a CGM, a, con, a continuous glucose monitor, not because I needed one, but I just kind of wanted to, because I like numbers. <laughs> and so I was, I, I got one just to, to watch what happens. And it was interesting that while I sleep, I could watch it go down and down and down and it would dip into the sixties. And then, you know, my liver must go, Oh, time for gluconeogenesis and then pump it back up a little and then it would drift down again a little bit and then it would pump it back up and if it pumped it up too high then I'd wake up but you know if I could watch that on the CGM and go oh look my body actually does what it's supposed to do my liver kicks in gear and uh, so that was kind of exciting to see that yeah you totally repaired your pancreas and preserved it, your beta cells and got them functioning again right Right. It actually, my body knew what to do, you know, and of course, during all this, I was losing weight too. So I've now lost about 95 pounds. I'm right around hundred pounds. I, I still probably have 20 to go, but you know, I'm, I'm way down there. And, uh, so tell me, you know, how, did, so, how did fasting come into all of this? Oh, well, 
you know, I started with the NSNG and it didn't take long before I realized I was not hungry in the morning. Cup of coffee and I was good to go. So I think before I really knew about fasting much, I was doing probably an 18-6 just because it felt good. You know, and I would eat a really good lunch and a good dinner and I'd be good to go. There are people in the NSNG group who fast. And so I was starting to pay attention to some of them. And so I found Dr. Fong in his group. And, you know, of course, then being who I am, I got all his books and read all his books and did all of that because that's just cool to me and tried to do the, like the three times 42 But for me, I'm really hungry at hours like 18 to 26. And then after that, I'm good. So in three times 42, you have to do that three times a week. Well, that's no fun. Did you ever do the 500 calorie down day or did that not help you either? You know, I didn't because to me, my whole point of fasting is to not do anything with that glucose. Get that insulin level down. Do not have any glucose out there that makes my body want to produce insulin. So my whole goal was to lower my insulin significantly. And so I did start, I I was probably three months into NSNG. I'd already lost a fair amount of weight when I started that. And I tried a few different things, not the 500 though, but actually my husband did that for a little bit, but that, that just wasn't me. So I found that what I like best is I do like a 72. Because once I get through those hours, 18 to 26, then it's easy for me. You know, I know everybody's different, but for me, then it's like I've made it over the hump and I'm good to go. So I do cheat on my fasting. I almost always have some heavy whipping cream in my coffee. Not, I don't pour in half a carton or anything, just a splash, but it kind of just takes the edge off. And I know people say, put in salt and it'll take the edge off. Well, I don't like that. So there you go. (laughs) Do it whatever way works for you, you know? But, and I was going to quit it. And one time, and someone said, well, you lost 95 pounds still using heavy whipping cream in your coffee. Why do you think you need to do that? I'm like, well, I don't really know. That's a good, that's a good point. Do you drink coffee all day long or do you just drink it in the morning? Well, pretty much in the morning, but I'll have quite a bit and I'll drink up till like two o'clock and then stop. But now what I'm trying to do is instead of having that slow drip of heavy whipping cream all day, I just drink my coffee and I'm done with it. And then if I have another cup, I drink that cup and then I'm done with it. I I don't do that slow drip of fat so that my body, if it wants fat, it can use what it's got, you know, because I still have a belly that it can go ahead and eat my belly. (laughs) That sounds very reasonable. So so you started, you started, you found NSNG, is that the right acronym? NSNG, yes. No sugar, yeah. no grain. You found that in 2016 or was it later than that? Or no, that's no, when you got no, diagnosed. I only, I only yeah. found that in 2019, mid 2019. 2019. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Like June of 2019. Okay. Yeah. So you've been able to lose this 100 pounds since June of 2019. Oh, it all went in the first year. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. And then I've just kind of maintained and, you know, I'd like to get rid of a little bit more. And honestly, you know, there's probably extra skin there and stuff like that. And so I'm, I'm patient because now I know I'm healthy. So a few more pounds here and there, you know, my blood work 
is now phenomenal. I mean, my A1C is in the fours. The last time my doctor actually took it, it was 5.1, but that was a year ago. And the last time I saw her, she says, I'm not going to take your A1C. She goes, I know it's in the fours. And like my fasting glucose is, I'm rarely, you know, I think my CGM showed that my overall fasting glucose was like 87 or something. Well, I know that's in the fours. So yeah, my doctor's like, there's no reason to test an A1C at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically you're not diabetic anymore, right? Right. Right. So do you test your blood sugar or you you know what? I'm a nerd. So I test my blood sugar every single morning. Oh, that's good. Every morning. And, you know, it's always about the same. Or if I did eat some sugar the day before, yeah, it's a little higher. So I know if I eat sugar, I'm going to get, if I ate what got the same way that I ate when I became diabetic, it's going to happen again. You know, I can't, I don't, but I don't eat that way anymore. So it's not a big deal because I just don't eat that way. And I don't really even desire to eat that way. To me, having a few cherry tomatoes is so sweet, I can barely stand it. So, you know, that's about the most sugar I get is, or for a real treat at Christmas, my daughter makes these bacon wrapped goat cheese stuffed dates. Okay, dates have sugar, but, you know, that's my treat at Christmas. That's not something I'm eating every week. I mean, but you've, you've totally overhauled your entire lifestyle and you've been able to do this since, you know, 2019. So that's pretty incredible that you've been able to to keep at it this long. Do you want me to tell you a few um, numbers on how eating like this and doing this, how it's changed? Yes, definitely. Okay. So my fasting glucose used to be in the 170s, 180s, and now actually a year ago, which I know it isn't really any different, it's 60. My fasting insulin was 56.2, and now it's 4.4. My C-peptide was eight, and now it's two. My C-reactive protein was 12.6, and now it's 0.5. I am low in vitamin D, so I do I think everybody is. Yeah. Almost everyone in the entire population is. I think so. (laughs) So I supplement vitamin D and so, cause it was at like 20 and was supplementing. I can, I have to take a lot of vitamin D but I can get it up to 59 or so. That's good enough. My cholesterol is about the same, which now that the more I read about cholesterol I don't worry about it anyway, but my HDL has gone from 42 to 58 and my triglycerides have gone, and this is kind of fun, they've gone from 252 to 88. Oh, you know, and people that say, you know, oh, don't eat the fat and everything. No, don't blame, you know, what's the line? Don't blame fat for what sugar does. Right. Um, You know, I'm eating a lot of fat and yeah, it doesn't, doesn't affect my triglycerides at all. My HOMA IR, do you guys know what that is? It's insulin compared to glucose test. And you're supposed to be, I think, under one to be healthy. I started at 19.3 and I'm down to 0.65. Oh, incredible. Wow, what great results you've had. Yeah, really. And in such a short period of time. Yeah, that's all, that was all. So that was in uh, 
two uh, year and a half time span. It's really just been the no sugar, no grain, and it's been intermittent fasting. And you're you're essentially a daily eater. You fast. You, you were trying the, the three times forty two, and you didn't really like that. So are you basically back to you know a daily eating window at this point? I'm a daily eating window. And so what I've done to, cause you know, finding maintenance is weird. It really is. And I tried to figure out, that's why I got the CGM. I wanted to see if there were some foods that I wasn't eating that I could eat. I did learn that tomato sauce is not my friend. It's way too concentrated. So I, I, yeah, I learned that lesson, but there are some things I can eat. So I, I used the CGM for that. But pretty much I'm still NSNG because that's just the way to eat. And my fasting, I went from doing 72s every week. And now I'm pretty much back to that 18.6. But every week I'll do a longer one. I might do 42. I might, you know, I really just fast depending on my schedule because I want to live life. So if I'm going to be out doing stuff and fasting just doesn't work, then I don't do it. And if I'm going to be hanging in my office at home all the time, well, then it's easy to fast. So for me, I just work it into my schedule. And if I can get a three day in, I do. If I get one day in, it's it's all good because anytime I fast, I know I'm bringing that insulin back down, you know, and I certainly don't want to go up in clothing sizes because I came down five clothing sizes and, you know, I don't want to change that around diabetes or no diabetes. I like being a smaller size. Oh, yeah. and that pulmonologist, when I saw him, normally he just has your nurse, come, his nurse come out and bring you in when it's time. But he had seen what my weight had changed to. And all of a sudden there he is standing there in the waiting room, staring at me. It was so cute. And he says, I just wanted to see if this was the same person. It's like, yep, it's me. And he says, do you know how many people I've told to lose a hundred pounds or I put them on oxygen? I said, I don't know. He goes, I've been a pulmonologist for decades. I've told multitudes of people that. He goes, you know how many people did it? No. He goes, one. I went, oh, good for them. And he goes, Terry, it's you. You're the only one that did it. And so then he actually took most of my appointment to find out what did I do to make that happen? He says, because I have people who are having to go off for gastric surgery and all this kind of stuff, and they don't need to do that. It's like, no, they really don't. Just eat right. Well, speaking of your health, so obviously you cured your diabetes. Is your cancer totally in remission or? My cancer is in remission. They have not found anything. So before I started it, because, you know, there's a little bit of overlap till I started they had seen the beginnings of bladder cancer, you know, not happy, but they said, you know, half the time, that's what happens and everything. They did some measurements and they said, you know, come back in three, three months or six months. And so of course, then I was starting all of this and I came back and it's a cystoscopy. So they're kind of doing the camera thing. And uh, he's looking around and he was such a, no, I have great doctors. He just goes, Terry, he goes, what have you been doing? I'm like, well, I'm eating really clean and doing a little fasting, everything. He goes, I see nothing. Everything that was there is gone. He goes, I'm going to do another 360 in here. He's so funny. He says, but it's not there anymore. He's like, yeah, good, good. So yeah, my, so far, you know, I'm at five. In fact, I was for my leg surgery. I was at five years, like two days ago. Congratulations. I'm cancer-free. 
and grateful about that as well. You know, it's just, it's all good. Your health is just totally, you know, done a 180. Like you're, you know, yeah, you're, health, yeah. you're healthy as of right now. I'm, I'm healthy right now. You know, am I older and have the chance and do I have potential for cancer? I do. So I go to my doctors and make sure, and they check me up and go, yeah, you're good to go. And that's what it's been since I got healthy. Everybody's thrilled. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, one of the things that for our listeners, they won't know, actually, I don't think I've ever even talked about it on my own podcast, but I have a congenital deformity of my left hand. You have a deformity oh. of your... Yeah, my left arm. Your left arm. Yeah, so we're, the we're members baby, of the same... Yeah, so we're we're members of that same club too. Oh, wow. And I actually have a funny story for you. My dad and I were fly fishing in the frying pan river and we had a guide and he also had a congenital, you know, deformity of one of his hands. And he pulled me aside and we were like in the, we were in the fly shop buying flies. And he said to me, you know what, since you have this, nothing else bad will ever happen to you in your life. You got, you're off the hook. And I was like, I am. And he said, yeah, <laughs> once this happens, you're done. And so I was like, so happy. I was like, I can't believe it. All my friends, who knows what, what bad is going to happen to them, but I'm already done. And, you know, then you get, then I got diabetes and I've had all sorts of other issues happen to me in my life. And you, of course, you've <laughs> diabetes, you've had cancer. I mean, how have you sort of managed your mindset? Cause you've had a lot thrown at you in your lifetime. You know, I could cry about it, but that doesn't fix anything. So why bother? My dad was really good because he was a special ed teacher as well. And he was really good when I was growing up to just say, you know, just do it, just do it. So I was on the tennis team, even got seated up on the tennis team in high school. And so we played tennis a lot. I learned to ride. I did English, you know, hunter jumper, dressage, all this stuff, and ended up actually making some money teaching riding lessons. And, and people are like, how do you do that? And it's like, well, you just do it. You just figure it out. And, you know, I've always said, there's just nothing I can't do. Well, and then I always say, maybe monkey bars. I'm not great at monkey bars, but nothing that I want to do have I not been able to do. I row kayaks. I've run so many rivers in Colorado and everything, and that's a lot of fun. I've even early on, now I'm a little old for this maybe, but I did, <laughs> I did some rock climbing. Um, I, I just don't see that there's anything I can't do. I'm a special ed teacher and I've been known every time I'm, it's a new year in the school, I go around to all the rooms because I'm elementary and you have to, you know, because kids are going to be curious. So I go into the rooms and it's like, hey, guess what? I was born this way. This is way cool. Do you want to feel my bones? If you do, that's cool. And I always pick like the biggest, baddest boy in the class and go, can you tie your shoes? And well, no, usually under first grade, they can't or something. And I go, come here. And I untie their shoes and I tie their shoes. And they're like, whoa, you're cool. You know, you can make first graders happy pretty easy. But, you know, and after that, I'm the cool teacher. So that works. But I just believe that you just do anything you put your mind to. So yeah. not a problem. Yeah. And I guess once, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, once you've had one bad thing happen to you, everything after it, yeah, you know, it's sort of, it sort of stings, but it becomes less and less and less because you've already been dealing with other stuff throughout your life. So you're just like, all right, fine. Add to the list, you know, yeah. 
<laughs> add it to the list. I like that. I really like the add it to the list because yeah, I mean, I, the weight, the cancer, the everything else. Um, yeah, just add it to the list, but I'm not going to dwell on my list because I can fix whatever I need to fix and the rest of it, I accept and move on. So it's really, I, I don't see, I don't see, I always said that, you know, my arm is officially my disability, but because mine for, for listeners out there, my arm ends at my left elbow, but I don't see it as a disability. I used to always say, people go, oh, you're disabled. It's like, uh, no, my weight is a much bigger disability. And my diabetes is a much bigger disability than my arm. My arm, I don't know what you guys all do with a spare when you have two. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. I forget about my hand. The diabetes I can't forget about, but the right. hand is like, you know, I would actually take two of my same, you know, hands that are, you know, not right. formed over diabetes any day of the week. Any day of the week. And I laugh because I use the word gloves. I always, it's always plural hands and everything. And people look at me and they go, really? So here's a cute story on the one arm side. I know this is a diabetes podcast, but this is my fun one arm story. I was in middle school, long time ago, before computers, everybody, but there were typing classes, typewriters, and I signed up for it. I figured I should learn how to type. And pretty soon over the loudspeaker in middle school, and y'all know that this is the worst way, I get called to the principal's office and everybody's doing the, ooh, Terry's going to the principal. And I walk in and he looks at me, he goes, okay, you can go. I was like, no, 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 no. Why did you call me and put me through all that grief? He goes, well, he goes, you signed up for typing and I was gonna get you a special one-handed typewriter. But he says, they asked me which hand and he says, I really couldn't remember because you just don't, it doesn't seem to be a big deal. And he says, I had to look at you to even remember which hand it was. And I said, wow. well, it's a good thing you called me in because I don't want a one-handed typewriter. I'm never going to have those anyway. So I just need to learn on a regular one. And he's like, okay, let's do that. Yeah, actually, I remember my middle school teacher, she got like a special like book on how to teach somebody with only one hand. And I was like, I, now I think back to it. I'm like, I should call her and thank her for doing that. Cause I, obviously I do that. You know, I use, I've used it my whole entire life. So you yeah. know, you just use a regular keyboard, but you only got the one hand. So it works. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. And I, I mean, when I was working for the forest service, I was managing their computers and you had to do a computer test and I had 90 words a minute and they're like, yeah, you're good to go. <laughs> you know, nice. and, and I had to teach rangers that would rather be out in the woods on their horses, how to type. And, you know, they couldn't type as fast as I could. And so they had no excuse. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, on that topic of just sort of dealing with challenges, I, I see in the Facebook community, sometimes you write about, you know, some of the challenges you have with either your diet or fasting. Can you bring us through some of those and sort of how you've overcome some of them? Well, I mean, I think one of them was just, you know, the poor me, I can't at first, the poor me, I can't have sugar anymore. Oh, I'm not going to have cookies. Oh, I'm not going to have this. And once I really stopped it, then it's for one thing, the craving kind of goes away. Now I have to admit at Christmas time, my very favorite, it's kind of a caramel thing was there because one of the cousins always makes it. And I had that, you know, but I also know that that's a one-time deal. You know, I, it's not like I'm doing this stuff every week. 
it was a challenge to figure out how to eat out at first. And it was really more the embarrassment of any of it. But I ended up, there's a, there's a, like a specialty hamburger joint that had opened up nearby. And, and I went there and was trying to figure out what to order. And the owner came over and said, you know, kind of like, do you have a problem with us? But I said, and I told her what I was doing. She then took me through everything on her menu. We looked at labels. We looked at everything to find out exactly what I could eat there was the coolest thing ever. And she goes, and you know what, we're a scratch kitchen. So if you want to have such and such, and you don't want us to put oil on the griddle or you don't, she goes, we'll do whatever you want. So that's now my favorite restaurant, you know, and, uh, and I learned I can go in there and it's the Hoffman's burger, double patty, no bun, you know, I mean, you get this down and you find out that you can even go, not that I do, but you can even go to McDonald's and, and ask for four hamburger patties. And they'll just put them in a box and give them to you. You don't have to eat the fries and the bun and all this stuff. You just don't have to even order that. One of my problems is if it's in front of me, wow, it's really hard not to take a bite. So I just make sure it's not in front of me. My my cupboard is cleaned out. Used to be, oh, that was in the pantry. I could do, no, it's all gone now. My husband gets one little box that he can put food like potato chips and stuff that I don't eat. And he can put it in there and I won't touch what's in that one box in the pantry. Everything else I can eat. But most of my stuff is in the fridge or freezer now. I really have very little in the pantry because I don't eat processed foods that much. Is your husband pretty supportive of, of your He's lifestyle very changes? He is very supportive. That doesn't mean he eats that way. You know, I, I make my pot roast or whatever I'm making and everything. And then he adds whatever he's going to add. And that's fine. He can, you know, he doesn't have to do what I'm doing, but, you know, I think it would be better for him. But did I say that out loud? <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell him how he has to eat. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I don't want to go back to the where I was. So it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. I have to really say what's good for me. And this is what's good for me. And, you know, it includes being off all heart meds. That really doesn't have anything to do with diabetes, but it does because I'm eating healthy and my doctor wanted me on statins. And I'm like, sorry, no. I found out you can actually refuse what your doctor says. Wow, that that was news to me, you know, and I could say, you know, you clearly don't see things the way I do and I'm just not gonna take that, so. And you've really taken your your health very seriously and you've corrected a lot of the, the issues you had. And I think it's kind of interesting because when you get diagnosed with diabetes, whether it's type one or type two, they almost should give you a, a list of 30 other diagnoses to go with it because it's all oh, yeah. really correlated with diabetes. I truly believe that it heart disease, all this stuff is connected. There's There's no way of looking at one without looking at the other. And, you know, And nobody's born with this information. So it does take kind of being a specialist in your own health, because otherwise, you know, how are you going to know? And if you just blindly trust, I mean, our generation now knows to question authority, I guess, if I could say it that way, you know, back, back in my mom's time, and this goes back to the arm thing, but (laughs) when I was born, my, I, my mom did not have anesthesia and that was anesthesia back in those days was really wicked. And uh, so I was born, the doctor saw my arm 
didn't know how to tell my mother and put her under anesthesia after I was born to buy them some time. You know, to, in today's world, that would be really bad. But, you know, that's what they did. And uh, they wanted to buy time. So they actually put her under anesthesia. Now, and, you know, she didn't question anything doctors ever did. Whereas now I question everything. And that's not a bad thing. Now, do I trust Dr. Google all the time? No, I, I get good sources. Well, yeah, and you're, you know, you look at David Fung, you have sources that you have vetted and others have yeah. vetted. Do yeah, Jason Fung. I really like Dr. Ken Berry and his wife, Nisha. They're amazing. There's some real go-to people out there that I like what they're doing. Yeah. Well, before we come up on time here, do you want to just talk about, you know, people that listen to this podcast, they may have pre-diabetes, type one, type two, they might just be starting an intermittent fasting journey, or they might just be starting maybe a low carb or keto lifestyle. Do you have any tips or anything that, or just any advice that you give to people that are either starting or are on their way and they're, they're struggling? Uh, sure. I, I think to find a supportive community is really good. You know, I jumped into the NSNG community. They're kind of a tough love group and boy, that worked for me. They actually have a women's group. That's a much calmer, tough love if you, if that's your style, but they really helped me. And I think the other thing is you can't force it on the other people around you. You have to come up with what you're going to say when they go, oh, wait, but grandma made such and such. You have to have some of that. And, you know, I know some people say they're allergic to it. I don't, I just say, I just don't eat that. And so you have to find what's your story. What's your answer when people try to get you to eat other stuff or when they say, oh, you're too skinny. You should, you should put on a little, no, no, that doesn't mean I'm going to eat sugar and grains. Maybe I'll have an extra, you know, slice. I'll have an extra steak. That wouldn't be a bad thing, but I think just find your community, find why you're doing this, you know, and health is often, and whether you want to be healthy for you or healthy so you can see your grandkids, I, you know, just whatever is your reason, find your reason. I also know that I have to say exercise is good for you, but it's, it's not the way to lose weight. You know, exercise is really healthy, but it's not the answer. You have to change what you're eating and beware because all those keto products out there, a lot of them can't be trusted. Learn to read labels. That's my other thing. I don't mean the, the numbers at the top of the label, but read the ingredients. Know what those ingredients are and know what all the 90 different names for sugar are and know what all the different oils are and things like that. I mean, I don't even eat anything that says natural flavor because I know that's either sugar or some kind of oil I don't want. So. I won't even eat that. That's why I say most of my stuff doesn't come in packages anymore. <laughs> but learn how to read a label, clean out your pantry, find your community. Yeah, find your reason. Because it all works. It does. You don't, for other than type ones, and I'm not going to speak to that because that's different. But type twos, you do not have to be diabetic. That's the bottom line. And my vision got better. Not only did my heart and my diabetes, my vision got better. My feet got much better. There's still once in a while a little tingle because nerves take a long time to heal. But you don't have to be sick. That's the bottom line. Just need to do it. You know, and, and you should start now. That's the other thing. Start today. 
Don't wait till whatever, you know, I'm going to do it after this or something. Start today because diabetes isn't waiting. It's eating away at you every minute of the day. Don't feed it. Yep. Yeah. No, that, those, those are some really good words of wisdom for people that are looking to get started or people that are on their way. And especially with type two, you're right. You don't have to live with it. It's totally reversible. Just like you've done it. And I've had a couple other guests on, they've done it. You know, it involves work because you've got it. This is a lifestyle. It's not a diet that you just do for six months and then you give it up. You, you know, you have to commit to it. But if you do, you can yeah, really people go, oh, life. I'm going to just eat a little less sugar. Well, the cravings aren't going to go away. What's the line if, you know, cravings are like stray cats. If you feed them, they stay. I like that. I hadn't heard that. That's sweet. I like that. <laughs> well, you've, you've been a great guest. Is there anything else that you wanted to say before we, before we wrap? No, no, it's just, uh, life can be good. There you yeah. go. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks for sharing your story. Oh, you're welcome. It's been fun chatting with you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.